0: And good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's Ask the Experts webinar, Class 2 Treatment, exclusively with Invisalign with Dr. Willie Dayen. You will earn two CE hours for attending today's program, and you will receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign doctor site account. Please note you are able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar you will have the opportunity to ask text questions, which your presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance if you are unable to answer everyone's question, since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign doctor site where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It is now my distinct pleasure to introduce your speaker today, Dr. Willie Dane. Dr. William Dane reached the level of Invisalign Elite Advantage Provider in 2005 and has been treating Invisalign patients since 2000. In addition to his full-time private practice in orthodontics, he lectures worldwide about aligner orthodontics and adult rehabilitative orthodontics. He's a guest lecturer at the University of Toronto Department of, Orth- of Orthodontics, the Toronto Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, the Ontario Dental Association, and the Alpha Omega Dental Fraternity. Dr. Dan holds a degree and diploma in orthodontics from the University of Toronto. Dr.
1: Willie Dan, you now have the floor. Hello, and good morning to you, those of you on the West Coast, and a very quick and early good afternoon to those of you on the East Coast. As you've heard, my name is Willie Dayan, and I'm happy to present to you today about Class 2 treatments with Invisalign. The statements that I make and my opinions are exactly those. They are my opinions, and they're related to what I'm about to present. Everything I'm going to tell you and I say to you is things that I do in my practice right now. Of course, you are, you, you are free to choose how you treat your patients, and you can't really hold Align technology, per se, responsible for your patient's treatment. As I will always repeat, we are the orthodontists, and Align technology makes a wonderful product of aligners. You've heard a little bit about me, I'd like to show you pictures of my family, and my son, of course, is the smartest one here because he's trying to stay away as much as possible from all the estrogen at the top of the screen. I have a wonderful team at my practice who help me take a lot of clinical pictures, and you'll see many, many clinical pictures and slides today because I am about how I do it in my own practice. There are many ways to get in touch with me. If you need to get in touch with me, I have an email, drdan at yourorthocoach.com, and then a few websites that I'm involved with, yourorthocoach.com, Aligner Insider, and Ortho Library. Class 2 Treatment with Aligners. We're first going to go through the outline here of diagnosis and orthodontic treatment plan first. Very, very important for us as orthodontists, clinicians, to think of what is the orthodontic treatment plan before we enter into aligners. Then we're going to go through two sections, Deep Bite Class two aligner biomechanics and Open Bite Class two aligner biomechanics. And then, when time allows, we'll definitely use a bonus section where Correction of an orthodontic problem includes more than just aligners and elastics, and how do we combine that so that the patient who still wants Invisalign can get Invisalign even though we know they need more than just aligners and elastics. Let's look at diagnosis and treatment plan first. Many times when people come and present to me, you know, would you do this with aligners and elastics? And I say, well, what's your treatment plan? And they go, class 1 occlusion with good overjet and overbite. Well-aligned arches. I look at that statement and I say, well, that would be the treatment plan for any patient who walks into my office. I don't really see that as a treatment plan. That's a goal. This is an objective plan that I've been given, Class one occlusion with good overjet, overbite, well-aligned arches. A treatment plan involves looking at a case and deciding, how am I going to get to that result? Should this Class two patient who has 100% overbite, should I intrude the lower incisors Or the upper incisors. What about this class two patient who has 100% overbite? Should I intrude the lower incisors or the upper incisors? So although both of these patients are class two, they have very, very different orthodontic treatment movement plans. Even though the objective is class one occlusion, good overjet, overbite, I'm going to have very different looking ClinChecks for these two people. So it's our job as orthodontists to think, What is the treatment plan? Now, in class 2 treatments in general, in orthodontics, there are many, many choices. So sometimes patients have these appliances included in their orthodontic treatment. So it might be functional appliances, distalizing, holly appliances, jaw surgery, pendulum appliance, There are a few carrier appliances. There's a few different kinds of class two treatments, even bicuspid extractions is a choice in class two treatments. And there's a few here I haven't listed. The list would be very, very long. But sometimes the treatment plan is just inter-arch elastics and level and align the arches, be it by braces or aligners. And that's what we're going to discuss. If your treatment plan is to align and level the arches, with aligners, and you're going to use inter-arch elastics to achieve a class one occlusion. If that's what you've decided is the appropriate treatment plan for the patient, those are the kind of cases we're going to look at today. Now, I do have that bonus section where we'll look at a lot of other ideas, but our main section is to look at that. Now, I divided it into two groups. There are the deep bite and class two, or open bite in class two, because the clinchex are gonna look very, very different in these two cases, and the way I set up the class two elastics is gonna be different for obvious reasons that we'll learn as we get into it. So here we are with a patient who, in this particular case, has mostly a class two on the right side, end to end, and I diagnose the case first and see that he has a canted occlusal plane, his mandible is longer on the left, shorter on the right, so then that's the explanation for his canted occlusal plane. His lower midline is off to the right side because the mandible is shorter on the right. My plan is to use, you know, leveling and aligning. This is a deep bite, and I'm going to try my best to reduce the canted occlusal plane. Of course I gave him a choice for jaw surgery, but he said I'm too good looking for jaw surgery, and I agreed with him. It would be a dramatic thing to do jaw surgery for someone who has such a minor asymmetry. And so we decided to do the best we can with orthodontics. Now, when I order it from a line, I get what I call the first proposal. It's a set of aligners that are going to level and align the arches. And I'm going to have to put class two elastics into the case. Now, they did put the class two elastics. And I'll explain a little bit more why I do it with two cutouts one on the seven and the six, and a hook on the three. I like that as my classic deep bite setup. And you can see here on this side where the cuspids are end to end, and we need to correct the class two. It's not a big class two correction, but it has some class two elements to it. But when we're looking at a deep bite class two correction, if we put on the set of aligners and we watch the movements, Certainly we have lots of optimized attachments to help us with movement. And sometimes we have an optimized attachments on an upper lateral. On the other side, we have torque of the laterals, therefore the power ridges take the default. And you know whether we're going to keep it like that or not, there are plenty of discussions. One of my general discussions that I've had many times in lecture is that I do have a challenge with power ridges when there is no simultaneous intrusion of the tooth. And since the incisors are intruding more than the lateral, or as hardly the laterals are intruding and the incisors are intruding, I would want to see an attachment on the lateral incisor. So if it needs torque, I'm going to remove the power ridge, put the attachment on, and then keep the power ridge. But One thing I do want to go over in this case, a couple of things is I want to look at the occlusion in the sense of what is the final occlusal stop. So here we have this occlusion that is green because the software is made to level the teeth ideally and show us an ideal occlusion. And it does a very good job of showing us that ideal occlusion. So in an ideal occlusion we have nice, gentle occlusal stops all the way through the arch. The challenge is that when you and I treat a deep bite case and we have to level the lower curve of speed and intrude anterior teeth, including intruding the cuspids, usually our wire at the end of treatment is going to look like it has a reverse curve of speed. And right now, this last aligner looks like it has a gentle curve of speed. So, yes, there's leveling going on, but during the leveling, biomechanically, I know that in order to level lower incisors and intrude even cuspids, I have to put quite a considerable amount of reverse curve of speed into the arch. And if we are gonna put reverse curve of speed into the arch, we need some maybe stronger attachments on the bicuspids so that we can reverse the deep bite. And if we end up ordering a very soft aligners for the deep bite problem, we won't get our anterior decoupling. And one of the things that Class II elastics need, if Class II elastics are going to work, is you need to decouple the anteriors adequately. So when we're in braces and we put a patient on Class II elastics, if we don't have decoupling of the incisors and we still retain a deep curve of speed, then what happens is the upper incisors smash into the lower incisors and the patient can wear elastics, but they can't get that sagittal correction because the incisors are hitting too hard. So when we went to school, we learned that one of the first things we have to do in the case of a deep bite class two before we start elastics is to level enough to get the front teeth apart. That means that our leveling has to be very, very strong. We can't go gentle on the leveling or then the incisors stay together. We have hard anterior contacts and then all we do when we're wearing elastics is cause more anterior contacts that rotates the mandible further down and back, and we end up having the patient wear elastics and elastics, but the class 2 never gets better. The reason that I use two cutouts, one on the 6th and one on the 7th, is the patient is going to wear the elastics as a triangle, and when they wear it as a triangle, as you'll soon see a picture, then the elastic hook goes under the six and the elastic is able to extrude the six. So I'm going to modify this ClinCheck in many of the directions that I've just spoken about. And when you look at the ClinCheck that I did use in this patient, you're going to notice some changes from the ClinCheck we just saw before. In this ClinCheck, well, the starting position looks much the same, it's not going to really change in the first few aligners, But by the third aligner, you see when my attachments go on, I've made a few changes. I have put an attachment on the upper lateral and that upper lateral attachment along with the optimized attachment on the upper right too is going to support the intrusion of those upper incisors so that I can get good decoupling in the upper anterior. So the ClinCheck movements look much the same as they did before. And really, that's probably the only change I made to the upper is to change that power ridge off of the upper lateral incisor. The centrals, I have power ridges now on both of them because I increased the torque. And this is part of avoiding that anterior contact at the end of treatment. Notice how at the end of treatment in my clean check I have an open bite in the front of the mouth so the teeth do not touch. And notice that the curve of speed in the lower arch is now reverse curve of speed. So I've pulled up. Instead of just getting a gentle curve of speed at the end, I've actually extruded the lower bicuspids. And when I extrude those lower bicuspids, if I put the occlusal contacts on, you can see that now they're not nice and green through the middle of the arch. They're red. And this is extremely important in a deep bite class, too, is to... Overcorrect the deep bite so that you get anterior decoupling in the mouth clinically, and then through that clinical anterior decoupling, you're able to then have the Class II elastics work well. If you don't get the teeth decoupled, that's not going to work well. Of course, to support this level of curve of speed correction, I had to choose some stronger horizontal attachments on the bicuspids. Now, something that I'm doing in the lower arch that you might wonder about is I am extruding the lower bicuspid, and that is by attachment. I'm not extruding the lower 7, because when you're using a curve of speed wire, the end of the arch has intrusive forces to the 7. So either we intrude it, which some people do, or I just leave it still. But I do not extrude the 7. The moment I extrude the 7, I kill the overbite correction that I'm doing in front of it. And I'm extruding the six, but I don't have an attachment on it. And I'm dependent on this triangular elastic wear to do the work of extruding the six. So the patient wears the elastic from the three, behind the seven, under the six, and back to the three. So the force of the elastic on the six is extrusive. And by the patient wearing this elastic, they're extruding the six. And they're even causing further extrusive force to the 5 and the 4 by when the 6 hits the occlusal plastic and wants to extrude even more than the plastic is holding it, it tends to extrude the 5 more and levels the bite even more. How will this work in the patient? Well, the patient wears the first set of aligners, and you can see he's come to a very, very good place. We don't have any posterior open bite in the back. He's got very good leveling and aligning of his deep bite. His midlines are on. His class two on the right side is corrected. His mandible is still asymmetric, and he still has some cant to his occlusal plane. And in fact, we've corrected the overbite so much that now there's a slight open bite in the area of the upper right lateral and the upper right central. Just to show you how the elastics work, you can see here when he wears the elastic in a triangle, it's extrusive to the molar because when he opens his mouth or he's, you know, talking with these elastics and the elastic gets a stretch, the force on the molar is extrusive. The force on the 7 is mesial and occlusal a little bit, but the force on the 6 is almost exclusively occlusal and that will help to level the curve of speed. You can see in this picture how well his aligners are tracking in his leveling of the curve of speed and how the lower incisors are depressed compared to the bicuspid height. So we had very good leveling of the curve of speed here, and that's what gives us great correction from the elastics. If you don't level the curve of speed enough, you don't get the correction from the elastics. Now, when I did get to the refinement stage, and I want to detail the slight open bite that he has in the area of the upper right central and the upper right lateral, I look at the smile and I think to myself, well, because the cant is higher on the right side, what I'm going to do is put him into additional aligners, and in an additional aligner order of detailing, I'm going to extrude the teeth in that area to bring them together. So I looked at the lower arch, and if I look at the lower arch, uh, my computer is probably going to, I'm just trying to bring up something here. There we go. If I look at the lower arch, the lower right two and the lower right one were slightly depressed. So I decided to extrude those teeth and notice I'm allowing some relapse of his curve of speed because I felt that his curve of speech was so leveled so well that I could actually let those premolars depress. Now notice I'm not using attachments to depress those premolars because just by him biting on the aligners and because we just recently extruded those teeth, I believe those teeth will depress just very nicely themselves. So I don't put that into many attachments, just enough to extrude the lower right one and the lower right two that I felt were too low. And on the maxilla, I'm putting attachments on to extrude the upper right one and the upper right two. Because I have a bit of distal root tipping of the upper right two, I decide to put the attachment on the distal half of the tooth so that I can get a bit of distal root tipping of that tooth as I extrude it. Then there's some IPR here, but I call it false IPR, as in sometimes patients have loose contacts, so I put IPR into the end of treatment just to allow those contacts to be tightened. He wears the additional aligners, and this is what he was tracking like in his additional aligners. Very, very clean, very nice, great patient. When he finished his additional aligners, this is what his occlusion looks like. We can see how the open bite improved in the area of the upper right one and two, the solid class one that he has on both sides. And notice even that the depression forces of the sevens from the curve of speed leveling has now been relieved because in our last set of aligners, we reduced the curve of speed correction. And this is exactly what happens in our braces patients. When we reduce curve of speed correction, our sevens settle. So I don't show extrusion in the ClinCheck. I just showed sort of a little bit of easing off of the curve of speed by letting those bicuspids depress themselves. At the end of treatment, his occlusal plane is much better. His class 2 on the right side is corrected. His midlines are much closer, maybe not ideal due to some of his... Mandibular asymmetry. His mandibular is still asymmetric, so it's not like we were going to move the chin from this treatment, but certainly he's very, very much improved. And in addition, it's a, just a very efficient treatment in my practice since I'm only seeing the patient every three months and we're finished in 11 appointments altogether. And for this, we need great staff. So, in general, my overbite, deep overbite setup for Class two elastics is to get good, good leveling, even in patients who have very, very deep bites. Use the triangular elastic setup so that you can get an extrusive force on the lower six. And yes, it's wonderful to have optimized attachments, but if they're not good enough to level the curve of speed, I will trade them out so that I can have a stronger leveling. And even in a deep bite like this with a teen, if they do the strong leveling uh, clin check, if I do the strong leveling clin check and they wear their elastics, we can get overbite correction like this in the first order. I will say that in this particular patient, I did the best I could with torque, but I under-torqued her upper anteriors. So I show you sometimes cases that are good and cases that I've even learned lessons on and... My lesson here is the curve of speed is essential, and I was very strong in leveling the curve of speed for this deep bike class too. I should have torqued the upper incisors even more in my clinchecks. Here, in this case, we're going to look at a clincheck, and we're going to see that, again, we have the leveling. We also have an anterior bike plane, which I also had in the last clincheck, but I'll pay a bit more attention to it. So in this case, she's class two. It's not quite as deep as many of the others. There is the element of end-to-end class two on both sides. So we want to put in our leveling arches, some of the optimized attachments that are optimized for deep bite, I can leave them. Other attachments I might have had to change so I can level the deep bite. And in the lower arch, we level the curve of speed. It's not quite as deep as the last one but it needs to be leveled and you can see the intrusion of the incisors. And this is not a natural intrusion due to proclination. This is absolute intrusion straight down into the alveolus supported by the leveling in the back. Because she's young, I can't use the cutouts on the 6 and 7, so I only have it on the 6. And therefore, if my curve of speed ends at the 6, I cannot extrude the 6. I can extrude the bicuspids, but I cannot extrude the six. So never extrude the last tooth in an arch when you're leveling the curve of speed. On the top, I'm using my class II elastic. And in this case, we're erupting the upper three and the upper two with attachments. We're intruding the upper incisors. So therefore the attachments on the laterals are there to erupt the laterals, but also to intrude the upper incisors. What I do want to point out about the G5 bite ramps is that they are there as a removable anterior bite plane, And you might think, well, the patient's going to be biting behind those right ramps. But if the patient is wearing the elastics all the time, then they're going to start enjoying the bite jump that only shows up here at the end. But they're going to be enjoying that bite jump during the treatment. So that in the middle of treatment, if we measure their overjet, it should be better. And this is true with all our class 2 patients. We don't wait until the end of treatment to measure their improvement. We can measure it in the middle. So when she comes in three months into treatment wearing her elastics all the time, and I take off the aligners, you can see that she's biting into the middle of the bite ramps, where according to the ClinCheck, she was supposed to be behind those bite ramps. Then, when I take the aligners off, already at three months, her overjet is reduced and she looks class one. So, at this point in time, I'm just going to have her wear her elastics at night only. To see how easy it is to put on and off elastics for this young teen, I've got this video for you to watch. Okay, Naomi, can you show us how you put in your Invisalign trees and your elastics? <laughs> Good, and now can I tell you are moving? Thank you. I think it's very important to have videos like this casual videos of your patients in your practice doing exactly this work so that in consult, you can show a mom just how easy it is for teens to be handling their aligners and elastics. So, she wears the rest of her aligners through her treatment and finishes in 18 aligners and in her case with no refinement. Again, very effective treatment in my office. Takes me six appointments to see her from start to finish, including the scan at the beginning and the inserting retention at the end. So really just four middle appointments all together. I can't think of a more efficient, effective way of doing treatment like this than with aligners. This patient has a class two, but is also missing an upper lateral. So we have to combine ideas. So he's going to get mechanics, special mechanics, that allow his upper lateral incisor space to be opened. But at the same time that he's doing all of this work, we all know that if we're going to put a coil to open up a space for an upper lateral, instead of all the teeth moving back, what's more likely to happen is that the front teeth will move forward and he would have massive overjet. So in order to correct his class two on the left, class two on the right, and avoid the massive overjet and weigh the the opening of the space more to distalization than to front teeth moving forward, he has to wear class two elastics. Now you don't see the elastics hooks here because I wanted to make them in the area of the pontic. But aligner technology right now, the software doesn't allow us to put a class two elastic hook at the pontic. So I did it myself in my clinic, but I wanted better intimate plastic coverage of the cuspid that needed to move back because I didn't want to weaken the plastic talking to the cuspid so as to move the root distally. This patient wore those aligners and after the first set of aligners we have amazing opening of the space, good class two correction, and now we're ready to tidy up a few angular changes to the centrals, but most of our work is done. And this is how the patient finished later, and if I look at it, the lower midline did stay off to the right as he has some asymmetry as well. When we get to open bite, things can be a little bit different because the whole vertical is treated differently. So, in cases of longer lower face height, instead of using the elastic as a triangle, which is going to extrude the six, open the bite more, which is something I don't want to do, and I'm going to show you how I I purposefully intrude teeth in open bite cases, so in my long face cases, the elastic setup is completely different. It's to a singular tooth only. It can be to the seven, it can be to the six, but it's only to a single tooth. And I specifically don't do the triangle because I don't want to level the curve of speed in an open bite case. In an open bite tendency, I want to deepen the curve of speed and close the bite. So this patient got treated in nine appointments, very effectively, overjet gone, long face height that didn't rotate down and back, and I think his smile line is even better, and we probably reduced his vertical dimension. To show it in a more dramatic case than this one, these are just close-ups of the same patient, I'll take you to this girl. So this girl, when I first met her, she was 16, and she was told she was going to need jaw surgery at another orthodontic office. She got the jaw surgery, and this happens to me in my practice too, and then there's a relapse of the surgery. So now she has an open-bike tendency, doesn't have very much, has no coupling of her anterior teeth, and has a lot of overjet. Of course, the choice of doing surgery again was presented to her, and she was not interested in that. And so we decided to do orthodontic treatment from this start position. But as you're going to see, in this particular case, the ClinCheck is very different. Because it's an open bite case, I'm going to be using my selective posterior intrusion technique. So in this particular case, we're going to... I'm just going to wait for the computer to catch up here. It's doing some backwards work in the background of opening up another ClinCheck. So it's a little jumpy, but you're going to look at this case from the side and we're going to be seeing the selected posterior intrusion that we usually do in a ClinCheck. So here you'll see that I put attachments on the bicuspids, I intrude the molars, so we're creating a curve of speed in the upper and in the lower, instead of leveling a curve of speed, I'm creating a curve of speed by intruding the lower middle teeth and holding on to the ends of the lower arch, the front end and the back end. And for a 4-to-4 open bite, this is the appropriate pattern. Then you can see the class two elastics are running from the upper cuspid to the lower molar as a straight line. And some of you might say, but the lower molar is being intruded. Won't the elastic interfere with the intrusion of the lower six if we're pulling upwards on it as we're pulling forward? And I do agree that at first that is a thought, but over and over I have done posterior open bite intrusion cases with closing open bites, and the plastic and the posterior bite block effect in these cases can be very effective, very strong. That's why we get so many posterior open bites in so many of our cases. And so therefore, it actually overpowers the vertical component of the elastic and the intrusion still happens despite wearing the class 2 elastic. So will the patient jump exactly into this position? They're going to jump very closely into this position. So in a class 2 open bite case, you can see the pattern of elastic is different. Sometimes in the last case where the open bite is closed differently, I would put it to the 7th. Other times, it's to the 6. But it's still singular and never double um, cutouts on the lower because I don't want that extrusive component that we worked in the deep bite case. So after her first set of aligners, this is her occlusion. Her overjet is gone. Her open bite is gone. And then she wore five more aligners to finish her treatment in 10 appointments in our office. So you can see that the Class 2 elastics, again, if your treatment plan is... Level and align, and in this case, when I say level and align, I don't mean level by um, creating a more level curve of speed. I meant level by creating a deeper curve of speed. So vertical leveling can be to the, um, open the bite or to deepen the bite. Aligning the teeth is self-explanatory, and then elastics to create the bite jump. And that's my usual pattern. And so when the treatment is level, align, and elastics, I find the can be fantastic. Now, I don't. My treatment plan in orthodontics was never level in a in elastics only for a 7 millimeter problem. So here you can see her Ceph after the treatment. She still has her surgical plates from her first surgery, but this was the overjet and overbite we were contending with, and this was the result. They can get quite big, so this girl did not have surgery before. She has quite a big open bite, quite a long face height, a lot of down and back rotation of the mandible. Again, we were going to do open bite, and we're going to do open bite treatment for her, doing selective posterior intrusion. And not always is the intrusion the same pattern. So you see three orders were done for her, and the last order, which I just mistakenly opened, was um, just a very gentle refinement. Um, So this is one of her orders, and you can see here that the intrusion patterns can be different as to which teeth you intrude and which teeth you hold on to. And of course, the ClinChex look exaggerated. So she gets three orders, and at the end of three orders, she has overjet, coupling of her anterior teeth, a lot of overjet has been reduced. And when we do the lateral set, we can see how her mandible rotated upwards, her incisors were retracted at the front, and there is some lower incisor proclination to get the effect of the elastics or from the effect of elastics. So again, if your treatment plan is elastics level and aligned, It can be very, very effective. Of course, this patient had jaw surgery options, but she chose not to do them. In this particular case, the open bite pattern is going to be very different. This girl comes in with this centric occlusion, but when I put her into centric relation, she touches only at her seventh. So, in this particular case, where it's not a 4-to-4 open bite, I'm going to use elastics, but only after I take away the CRCO discrepancy. So in the first ClinCheck, I do the ClinCheck in centric relation, and the only teeth that touch for her in centric relation are the upper right seven and the lower right seven. And she has a massive open bite, and then she has that big CRCO shift to put her teeth together. So recognizing that I have to intrude the teeth that have interference. In this case, I'm going to intrude the upper molars, but unlike creating a deep curve of speed, I'm going to be intruding the lower sevens in this case as well. So the lower arch is very different than the open bite treatment that we did in other cases. I did not put class to elastics in her first order because I wanted to see where is she going to jump after this first order. So with such a big CRCO shift, my plan is to intrude posterior teeth to get rid of the interferences, let her mandible auto-rotate so that there's no big CRCO shift, and then I'll see where and how much Class II elastics I'm going to wear. So I don't actually think she's going to be able to have this big of a sagittal jump. Yes, I could have put elastics into the first order, but I decided not to. After this first order of about 33 aligners, She came to this position that you're going to see in the second order. So we take a new scan or new impression and we're now ready to order our refinement. And as we order these additional aligners, you can see her vertical jump has been amazing, but she's still class two. So at this time we didn't have cutouts, so I pulled up the gingiva to create a cutout on the lower sevens. I have my attachments on the lower sixes to keep the sevens down. And I just show some IPR, some torque in the anterior, and a bite jump at the end of treatment to show the effect of the elastics. So before the bite jump, we would still have excessive overjet overbite and an end-to-end class two. And I'm expecting that she'll be able to jump more into class one from the elastics. So she wears that. Here are her pictures after the first set of aligners. And here's her pictures after the elastics. So she got her anterior guidance and now she bites into this position without any CRCO shift. So I keep showing that elastics can be very effective in cases for open bites or deep bites. Then you get some of the crazies where, of course, there are many alternatives for this patient who has several problems. Missing lower bicuspids, An E that has some kind of crown and cantilever for the lower bicuspid. Then on the lower arch, he's also missing a lower incisor. So he's got a lot of missing tooth mass in the lower arch. In the upper arch, he's missing two bicuspids. So now at least we're missing tooth mass in the upper as well. But he still has a large open bite and skeletal discrepancy. If I do this with braces, and braces are extrusive in the posterior, I know I'm going to be lost in a massive amount of down and back rotation of the mandible that isn't going to make this look better. It's probably going to make it look worse. So I don't want to do braces. I do want to do aligners. I do two sets of aligners with selective posterior intrusions supported by elastics, and we end up here. His crown has since broken during the treatment. He was prepared to know that his crowns eventually need replacement with implants in the posterior, but we've aligned the lower anteriors and we've achieved overjet and overbite in this patient. I'm not saying it's perfect because you might look at it and say, well, the lower incisors proclined as you aligned them. Yes, they did, but what else was I to do if I'm not going to have jaw surgery to make up this might be eight millimeter gap? So his upper incisors retroclined, his lower incisors proclined, we still have roots in the bone and he has some occlusion. So I feel that this is a good camouflage of his skeletal discrepancy if he's not going to fix it. Of course he has alternatives but he's choosing to do this camouflage. But it's effective and I could not do this with braces alone. Finally, what do we do for our class two patients who their correction includes more than elastics? Does this mean that once they're beyond a correction of alignment, level of line, and elastics, we can't use Invisalign? I don't find that to be true at all. So, as an orthodontist, in this full cusp class two case for this young boy, and he developmentally is a lot younger than his age. So although he's 14 year, one month, he has a dentition and a facial balance look that's more like something around 11. And I'm ready to do some growth modification. Now what is the growth modification that I did in order to get him to have a space in the maxilla like this? Was it a pendulum appliance? Was it a pendulum supported by a headgear? Was it just cervical headgear that he wore alone? Did I put a Nance button in with coils to the sixes off of band and Nance button on the fours? You don't know, and there's many different choices. In my practice, I often use a removable uh, holly-like appliance that has Adams clasps and Glen Ross screws to distalize molars and I put a headgear to the tube at the four and this young lady is wearing just that appliance, and all of these pictures are from different patients to show my typical growth modification that I might use for a case like this. Now that I have this case in this situation, I'm able to then apply orthodontics. Now, when I do the orthodontics in the Shack, you'll notice that the five stays in class three and bite jumps forward. And the reason that the five stays in class three and bite jumps forward is because I know that denoalveolarly, this patient, is going to be losing anchorage as I go from the headgear supported removable appliance to just the liners alone. So when I'm applying all this torque and retraction on the upper anterior teeth, I know that's going to tax the anchorage and cause that five to slide forward. But I'm not going to help it forward in the clincheck. I'm going to hold it perfectly still and expect that there's going to be anchorage loss in the patient. I may even have to wear class two elastics in this case, not class three elastics. And so I'm very patient as to whether I'm going to put any elastics in this case or not. And when he wears the aligners and he gets alignment, He gets the alignment without any elastics and he ends up in class 1, even though I didn't use class 3 elastics or class 2 elastics in this case. He then later wore some refinement aligners. We have some change in the torque of the anteriors that you can see improved a lot, all by power ridges. At the end of treatment he has his final pictures even with his aligners on because they fit so well my staff forgot to take them off. In this young lady, who also is going to benefit from growth modification, even though she came into my practice and she's eight years old and wants aligners, I'm very patient to wait until she's at the ideal age for growth modification. Now I know some people will put aligners in in the mixed dentition and there are many ways to do that. My practice has always been of waiting until the patient is closer to the age of a second stage and I want to start the first stage of what I might call growth modification just before they're ready for their second stage so that I don't have a long retention period between the two stages. So I am a fan of two-stage approach but not a fan of a big delay between the first and second stage. And so once again, she wore an appliance to create this kind of spacing in the maxilla. You can see that her molars are somewhere in her tuberosity. She still has a class 2 at the front of her mouth, but at the back of her mouth, she's class 3. And so, will I need elastics? So we're going to end up with a clincheck that... um, treats her teeth, aligns her teeth, leaves it in class 3 at the back, and then... So while it stays in class 3 at the back, we're aligning and uprighting her teeth, closing all the spaces, supporting it with class 2 elastics as required, and then there's a bite jump forward. So again, I don't purposefully lose any of the molar anchorage. I do it as a maximum anchorage case, which is what I would do in orthodontics. And then I just show arch coordination in class one, but the mechanics of the clincheck are maximum anchorage. So is this aligners and elastics? It is aligners and elastics. Is the patient in my office experiencing just simply aligners and elastics to correct her 7 millimeter or more Class two? No, she's experiencing growth modification in other appliances, but she is still getting aligners and elastics as the final part of her treatment. So we can still do growth modification orthodontics even though we're doing aligners and elastics. She ends up treating with no refinement She's finished her treatment in great interdigitation of class 1, excellent overjet, overbite, very happy patient and mother. And this small space that was left because the lower E was not in when we started, or the lower E was in when we started her orthodontics in the ClinCheck, as you saw it earlier, she still had not erupted the lower 5, the lower right 5, when we started our Invisalign treatment for her. So we held the space and at the end of treatment there was a bit of extra space. I put the lower 3 to 3 in, knowing full well that as her lower right 7 erupts, that's going to probably kick her lower 6 forward and that space will disappear as a normal E space that disappears. So again, I'm not going into refinement to do that. I'm going to watch for something like that in retention since it happens very naturally. In this case, this girl is young enough to get a functional appliance so what we did is we proclined her upper incisors. You could do that with aligners. You could do that with um, a removable holly. Today with the five-year order of aligners, the smart thing would be to put some aligners in. I proclined her lower incisors and then I give her a functional appliance, an elastic open activator. It could be a bionator. It could be a Frankel. In her case, after wearing it for about a year, a year and a half, she now is 13 years old, and I do recommend getting interdigitation of the back teeth, but the mother decides that she's going to wait to see how the teeth grow in by themselves, and she waited a whole two years, and when she was 15 years old, this young girl came back to have her detailing. So her class two is steady from the functional appliance we did earlier. She hasn't been wearing anything for two years and now it's just a question of level and align and not even elastics. And so she finishes with 15 aligners and treatment with Invisalign. So again, even though the patient came in and I see the need for growth modification orthodontics, It doesn't mean that they won't get aligners, and we can still be orthodontists, and not only invisaligners, that everybody gets aligners and elastics no matter what they look like. In this case, it was aligners and post-surgical elastics because she was going to get, and she did get, jaw surgery to deal with her retrognathic mandible. So she got some aligners, then she wore elastics during the post-surgical healing, And then after the post-surgical healing, she got her aligners off without any other treatment. So, again, we have all our opportunities to practice our orthodontics the way we believe patients should be treated. They still can get Invisalign. It's class 2 treatment with Invisalign. For many patients who are 3 to 4 millimeter discrepancies, they can get Invisalign and elastics alone. If it's more than that, then they need more than that. In this girl, I did bicuspid extractions. And there are many mechanics that go into bicuspid extractions, but it is class two treatment with aligners. Now, you may look at the number of attachments in here, and this is pre G6 and, and some of the available optimized attachments and optimized staging movements that we have today. So it looks busy. The ClinCheck definitely looks busy. But you and I both know that if we're going to do a bicuspid extraction case, we have many mechanics to control, and we're going to go over that in a minute. So if we look at this case, it does finish, her bicuspids are missing, her nasolabial angle changed somewhat can be more obtuse, it's maybe not severely obtuse. She has a much healthier smile, much healthier dentition. and. If I had to do bicuspid extractions in a case like this, I would expect this kind of result. If she were to say yes to surgery, we could have done that as well. What are the mechanics in a bicuspid extraction and why do we need braces on all the teeth? Well, I don't think any of us would hang a power chain on these molars if all I had was a button on them. I know that if all I had was a button on these molars, they would dump and they would tip and they would roll. So if we're watching ClinCheck, and we know that we're going to treat this with maximum anchorage just because the video is not going to show these teeth moving, that doesn't mean that these teeth aren't getting forces that have to stop them from dumping, tipping, and rolling. So if we look at all the forces that go on in a bicuspid extraction case where you put power chain to take teeth back, and you want the teeth to go back bodily, not to tip, So you have all kinds of extra forces that go on into the mechanics of wires. Again, I can't go over this in full detail right now, but we have to realize that we have to have attachments even on our incisors to stop the cuspid from tipping. And we get an extrusive vector from those attachments, so then we have to put in a lot of curve of speed leveling. So there's lots of mechanics that go into a bicuspid extraction. Having said that, that doesn't mean it's not going to work with plastic alone. So this adult also gets upper fours removed, so it is treatment without elastics, it's level aligned, and bicuspid extractions. It's still Invisalign treatment, but the decision to remove bicuspids in her situation is one I made clinically from my records, it's not one that I made just by looking at the video of a line and deciding that that's the right treatment for her. And many of us might think for a Class two Div two, there are other alternatives, and there are, but in this particular case the lower incisors came forward and with her situation even her upper incisors came forward even though she had upper bicuspids extracted. At the end of treatment, she has dark triangular spaces, but this is just simply due to her longstanding crowding and not due to adult orthodontics. Again, a lesson for crowding. So in this hour, we've gone from the first step in doing any class 2 treatment, whether it's aligners or not, is diagnosis and do an orthodontic treatment plan first. Do not plan your treatment just by having an objective of class 1 occlusion good over jet over bite. It's more about how would you do that for this patient under the circumstances they're in. Make a big distinction in how you set up your class 2 elastics and aligners and how you set up your aligner biomechanics between deep bite class 2 cases and open bite class 2 cases. They both can work, but you have to be thoughtful about how you're doing your leveling and aligning. It's not the same, it's not the same in every deep bite, and it's certainly not the same in every open bite, but it can work, and so if your treatment is to level and align and use elastics, you can use it for deep bites and open bites. And finally, the bonus section was what to do if your patient asks for aligners. And your correction includes more than elastics. It includes bicuspid extraction or includes growth modification or it includes um, jaw surgery. Can you do this with aligners? Most certainly you can. So at the end of the day, all class two treatments to me are treatable with aligners. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, webinar. Thank you very much for listening and have a great rest of the day. Thank you very much, Dr. Dan.
0: Thank you for a great presentation. I want to cover one quick thing that's very important in order to receive your CE certificate for this program. Currently on the screen right now, there is a link to take a quick survey. Once you complete the survey, you'll, be, you'll have immediate access to your CE certificate. So please go there after the completion of the program. One week from today, this entire program will be archived at the education tab on your Invisalign doctor site. I wanna thank Dr. Dane for a great presentation and for all of you for taking time out of your Friday to join us. We look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Experts webinar. Thank you very much.